Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I begin the show by reporting some good news, at least on my end of things. Going to text my wife just a couple of seconds ago, or just after 10 a.m. in the morning, a couple of seconds ago, to let me know that she has secured her tickets for, now I'll be there in the press box, but she and my uh, children, to go to the uh, big national championship celebration on Saturday. I know everybody's kind of the same way today, trying to get online and and, uh, get on there and get their tickets secured. So she told me that she was able to get hers, and these are just the same regular uh, tickets that anybody else uh, can get. So she was able to do that. That's all well taken care of. It is also great to be back in our normal studio situation today. I have brought back some props. Uh, I was showing this to our video audience before the show began today. So Dr. Pepper in L.A., their cans, now this is not an ad, this is just me uh, just saying what we brought back here. So their cans in L.A. for the week had the special national championship logo on them. So it was a way of kind of celebrating the back, two back dog national champions. Thought I'd put the Dr. Pepper can next to our Coca-Cola bottle from last year here for a minute. I also stole a pillow out of the uh, media lounge that has the uh, L.A. national championship deal on it. What I don't have yet is a scarf. You know, last year I wore the scarf from Indianapolis for like the whole year. Uh, I'd like to get my scarf uh, eventually. I didn't <laughs> didn't have scarves in L.A., so we'll see if we can figure that out at, at some point in time. But, man, it feels good to be talking about being in Athens again on Saturday for a huge championship celebration, putting more national championship gear next to our old national championship gear. That's what it's all about. Uh, about. When you go for 2-22, and 22, when you get that back, two-back dog national championship, we have a celebration to be ongoing for a long, long time as we appreciate all of this. We're going to try to do our part on that here on the show today. In fact, I want to start with this. So, um, to be honest with you, like the game ends you know, so late on Monday night. You kind of roll into the show on Tuesday morning, and then you're just kind of you're kind of off balance a little bit in terms of your typical routine of kind of consuming all the post-game, you know, press conference and the content you're kind of trying to find out what the Georgia coaches and players are having to say about the win they just had and the travel part of this makes it more difficult too so I would say that I'm only just now catching up on a lot of the stuff that happened after the game and our dog nation YouTube page for me has been a great resource on this so many of the cool things from after that game and including you know the uh, the uh, glimpse of the celebrations and our post game uh, uh, show and all, all that coverage a lot, a lot of the places that you can go to get one of the one of the great places you can go to get a lot of this is right there on the dog nation YouTube page but and also kind of watching some of the press conference stuff that's come out over the course of the the you know the, that I've been watching recently but it came out like right after the game one of the things that Kirby Smart said, like in the immediate aftermath of the game, I thought was a really valuable statement. It's directly to Georgia fans. And this is one of those things I think that can be maybe interpreted a couple of different ways. I think for me, there's one specific interpretation of all of this that I don't think you should miss. But these, I believe, are really wise words. And it's interesting to me that Smart says this almost like right off the top. This is, his, this is from his opening statement from his national championship winning press conference there late Monday night, especially late if you're on the East Coast, late on Monday night, Smart looks directly to the camera, speaks directly to fans, and the message that he delivers in the aftermath of having won another national championship is one that I don't think the Dog Nation and UGA fans should miss. So let me let you hear Kirby this from Monday night. I want to thank our fans for traveling all the way out here. I hope they understand the message I'm about to say. They can't take it for granted. 
You know, you can't take opportunities like this for granted. And they showed up in full force, and they better never get tired of it because we need them here. We need them to back us. And you can't become complacent as a fan, and we can't become complacent as coaches. So let me tell you what I think that means. Now, there's a couple potential meanings for all of this. And on the one hand, like you're left to conclude, is that just some sort of subliminal message to start donating to NIL so we can keep winning these championships? Maybe there's a degree to which that's true of he's encouraging uh, those fans to, to, you know, be a part of all of that. Obviously, he did talk in the Tuesday press conference about uh, he knows it's expensive to come out to L.A. and he thanked Georgia fans for spending the money they did to come out and do that. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a subliminal message there of, hey, if you want to keep one of these championships, you're going to keep supporting us. I get all of that. And there's also kind of maybe a cousin to that idea of that when he says you can't get complacent, that means, hey, you got to turn the page already. You already got to start looking at what's going to happen next year. And Georgia's obviously hosting elite recruits this weekend for the trophy celebration. Georgia's, I think, uh, on the road visiting recruits uh, Friday. And you know, there's work to be done managing the roster for next year. And so there's a way of interpreting what Kirby Smart says there, which is it's time to turn the page and it's time to start getting interesting, interested in what's happening next year, that the celebration of the national championship this year is already over. And I know that kind of sounds like when you use a word like complacency, that's kind of what Smart's suggesting. But for the fans, for you and for me, I truly don't think that's the case. I really don't. I think it's another part of the Kirby Smart message there that ought to mean the most to you, which is, hey, make sure you don't take this for granted. We heard Kirby Smart say that a moment ago. Make sure you don't take this for granted. And I think that has value in a couple of different ways here. I think it has value in terms of how it impacts the program from the standpoint that if you really think about it, the fan's job is to create the atmosphere. And if you've ever walked into a crowded room, you can sort of tell, is this a happy room or a sad room or an angry room? You know, people, when they get together, have a tendency to just sort of create an atmosphere. And you better believe that's true when it comes to the you know, 90 or so thousand Georgia fans inside the stadium on Saturday, but the million or so Georgia fans kind of around the program that are always talking about it, tuning in to listen and watch shows like this. You know, it's the atmosphere created by these fans that really, really matters. And I think that the atmosphere that's created by Georgia fans in the aftermath of all of this should be one of obvious celebration and obvious elation but the fact that Georgia has won a national championship. So the point I'm getting to here is, is that while Kirby and the coaches may have to get right back to work in terms of recruiting for the 2024 class or managing the roster from the standpoint of who's going on to the NFL or who might be transferring or who you might be bringing in, while the, the team itself sort of has to get back to work here, I think fans ought to be really, really slow in stopping the celebration. I think that you ought to keep this celebration going, in other words, as long as you possibly can. And for the most part, we sort of said the same thing last year, too, that your job is to make this feel really fun. Because if you want this team, these coaches, these players to keep on winning these national championships, you want to create the kind of atmosphere where, man, they feel really glad to have done what they did. And so let me give you, like, I guess, sort of a specific, I guess, practical application for all of this. And I hate to admit this, but I do believe it's true. I think there were some fans last year that made a little bit of a mistake in the aftermath of last year's, you know, Georgia National Championship win. I think they made a little bit of a mistake of turning the page a little too quick, and they got really worried in some cases about, oh, well, Georgia may won the National Championship this year, but Alabama's going to be preseason number one next year, and whatever, 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 and, you know, Georgia's not going to have as many guys on defense anymore. They're going to have more pressure on the offense and whatever, whatever, whatever. There was this, like, immediate pivot 
to negativity for some Georgia fans after last year's national championship. And obviously that was a mistake because Georgia went back and won the thing again. But even if that hadn't happened, it would have still been a mistake to turn the page too quickly from a moment that you had been dreaming about for your entire life finally happens. And, and the idea that you just quickly pivot to next year and, oh gosh, Georgia may have won it this year, but what about next year? I think it would have been a mistake, especially understanding that kind of came with a little bit of a negative bent to it. Well, here we are a year later, and I think you're going to have the opposite side of the same coin come up again. Where, And I'm already seeing some of this, and I'm not criticizing the people who are saying this. I'm just saying that I think you've got to be really careful with this. Obviously, we spent a lot of the time this year talking about go for two in 22. We're really proud of the fact that we kind of helped you know, uh, usher in what ultimately became the narrative for Georgia this season, bringing home national championship number two in the Kirby Smart era. And you better believe we think there's a chance to go for three in 23. Obviously, we think that, and eventually we're going to get there. And eventually we're going to talk about Georgia's pursuit of something that's essentially never been done in college football before. Uh, we're, of course, fascinated by the idea of a three-peat, or, or of course we're uh, you know enamored by that. And eventually we're going to get there and talk about it. But much like last year, it would have been a mistake to move too quickly off the national championship and concerns you about the 2022 team. I think it's also just as big a mistake to move too quickly off this national championship to the notion of 2023 with the belief, well, of course, Georgia's going to win it next year. They've won the last two. Of course, they're going to win the, uh, the, the national championship again in 2023. And listen, that may happen. That may be true. Georgia really might do it as improbable as it seems. They really might do it. But to get too excited about the future too soon, I think, is not properly rewarding this team for what it did here right now. Now, that doesn't mean on this show we're not, not going to talk about roster movement and recruits who are coming in or, 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 or transfers that are going out or guys that declare for the NFL draft or maybe a couple of guys that decide not to declare for the NFL draft. Of course, we're going to talk about the business of Georgia football the way we always do. But for us, we're going to be very, very slow to move off of what has just happened. And as excited as we are about 2023, we're going to put some of that on hold a little bit because what Georgia has done here to conclude 2022 is amazing. It is the stuff of legend. It is the stuff, I mean, look, I would say that last year's national championship for Georgia was the culmination of a dream that we had had. But I don't think many of us even had a dream of, Georgia's going to win back-to-back national championships. I mean, I think that a lot of us were like, boy, it'd be great to see Georgia back in the national championship picture again, going back years ago. That What's actually happened this year, though, has exceeded even those of us who are huge fans. It's it even exceeded our wildest dreams. So understanding that's happened, we're going to take Kirby Smart's advice here. We're not going to take this for granted. We're going to realize that this is an unprecedented level of success, not just for Georgia, but essentially every program in the history of college football. We're going to soak it in, and we're going to enjoy it, and we're going to watch how this team gets ready for 2023, but we're going to do that with the mindset of that the present tense has never been better than it is right now. And one day we'll look back on this time and say, man, we were really lucky to live through a special time. And when we do look back on ourselves living through this special time, we're going to have a smile on our face knowing that we soaked up every last moment of it. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. Happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start even earlier than that on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, on our... Uh, no, excuse me, we're... we're I'm getting my messaging confused. We are on 960 The Rep, but that's at noon every day. Our first and 15s at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. That's at 945 in the morning. We've already done that here today, and that's been really fun to do. You can tell I'm a little bit 
Bungie after getting home very, very late last night. But I am very happy to be in the studio, very happy to be delivering the podcast as well on all the platforms the way we always do, and so thankful to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it possible. I'll tell you a quick story. So Bob Tharp, the partner from Meriwether and Tharp, and his wife Ashley were at the game on Saturday, and I was going to try to catch up with them before the game because, you know, just want to see, you know, see some folks. And it's one of those things where I was like pouring down rain. There was not the whole idea, but there not really being any tailgating turned out to be true. The stadium was just dead. Uh, no atmosphere whatsoever, you know, outside the stadium before the game. The weather is also not very good either. So I ended up going to the stadium pretty early. So I missed uh, the Tharps uh, prior to the game. And then it kind of got crazy during the game. I was working and doing some stuff like that. But uh, Bob reached out to me and said, hey, B.A., just make sure you get some confetti for me from that national championship celebration. So you better believe I scarfed up some uh, confetti uh, for the Tharps. We'll be giving that to them. Uh, our producer, Michael Carvel, I got him some confetti there as well. So I, I, I've tried to bring back as much confetti as I possibly could. Uh, but I just love the fact that uh, great sponsors like our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, like the one request they had was, can you get some confetti off the field for the uh, national championship celebration? So that's the least I can do for them because they've been with us for a long time. And I love our sponsors, big dog fans, who are as happy as anybody when Georgia wins the national championship. So just do me a favor, hit them up online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com. They're your source for Georgia divorce. And I listen, I realize that it is a sharp contrast between being happy that Georgia won a national championship and thinking about the possibility of divorce here in 2023. I, I do realize that. But we also know that life kind of runs on parallel tracks, that the great things happen at the same time that t- challenging, tough things happen. And you may be as happy as anything that your favorite football team won the national championship, but concurrent to that, you may be dealing with a very tricky and challenging personal situation. You've tried to save your marriage, and at this point you just realize that's not going to happen. And I hate that. I really do. But confronting that reality is the right thing for you to do and confronting that reality with a strong advocate on your side is even better. And that's why I want to recommend that you hire Meriwether and Tharp. And obviously, you're going to want to learn more about them before you do. So they give you plenty of opportunities to do that, including a free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. So please find them online, the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. Have that conversation. Find out how they can explain to you how the law can be leveraged for your benefit on the things that matter most in a divorce situation, finances, relationship with children, things like that. So the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com is the website for Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online, the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. All right, we're going to have Terrence Edwards here in a moment. Looking forward to hearing Terrence's thoughts about the national championship. And I'm going to also ask Terrence about the fact that he almost, I mean, he almost got a member of the club. Uh, I mean, Brock Bowers, late in the year, makes that push towards 1,000 yards. And what is he, finished 50 or so yards shy of that uh, after the game uh, the other night. So that was fun. We'll talk to Terrence about that and everything else in the national championship. Prior to that, though, let's go around the doghouse, presented today by our friends at ServPro. And one of the things I think is really fascinating about Stetson Bennett, I mean, A, the the career now we would obviously acknowledge belongs on the top shelf of any player that's ever been at Georgia. This is truly one of the most significant figures to ever come through Georgia football for any number of reasons. And we can we, we can talk about that. We will talk about that. Uh, all of that is obviously uh, very, very relevant. But as I've told you before, I think for me, Bennett is as fun to cheer for as almost any Georgia player ever has been because of the fact that while he has been a participant in and a 
cultivator, creator of Georgia football history. He's also done that with an appreciation for the Georgia football history in the past. I mean, he told the story the other day at Media Day. I wish I had this to play for you, but I don't. He told the story at Media Day the other day about, like, not just when he was a kid, you know, kind of living and dying with Georgia football, but he was talking about being in that, that one year he's at junior college, but the fact that he was devastated that Georgia lost the SEC championship that year. Now, think about this. This is a guy who's playing college football, had essentially been, I don't want to say, you know, kicked off the team, but but he, you know, sort of realized that his best chance for playing was going to be to go somewhere else. And even after that, he is still sitting in a junior college somewhere, living and dying with Georgia football while they're in the SEC championship for the year that he was gone. Like, this is a guy that has loved Georgia football, has has been a student of Georgia football history, and now he's a part of Georgia football history. I, I just think that's an amazing thing to, to root for when it comes to Bennett's overall story. And in the post-game press conference of the night, he was actually asked about the fact that, hey, how do you feel to be considered the greatest quarterback in Georgia football history? And as I said before, given the fact that Bennett knows so much of that history so well, as you might imagine, he had a very good answer to that. This is Stetson from after the game on Monday night. I, don't, I mean, there's so many different variables that go in, you know, scheme, players around you. Um, I mean, you know, I've, I've been with Monk for three years. Uh, we, we, we brought back pretty much the entire core of our offense from last year, so we were all clicking. So, I don't know. We had a really good offense. Uh, I, it makes me proud, um, you know, of what I've accomplished uh, when I hear that because it means I've done some things right. But I don't know if it's accurate or not. You know, we've had Mur- – I grew up watching Murray and Stafford and, you know, Shock and Green and, and you know, who's to say? Those, those dudes were all, I mean, amazing. So here's what I can tell you from my own personal opinion on this. You know, Aaron Murray said this last year that he thought that um, that he thought that Stetson Bennett was now the best quarterback in Georgia football history. And at that particular time, that sort of seemed like too much too soon for me. Uh, obviously, you know, Murray saying that carries some weight because Murray would have been considered one of those guys too. But for me, I want to go back to the era of Eric Zier, who I still think his numbers hold up very well after all these years with what he did in the 90s, then as, uh, you know, as what Stetson Bennett said, guys like David Green, who we've obviously been a big fan of, DJ Shockley, who we've obviously been a big fan of, there, Matthew Stafford, there are a lot of names you can consider here. And yet, if that was premature to say that last season, I don't think that's premature to say that anymore. I think that Stetson Bennett clearly, without a doubt, is the best quarterback in Georgia football history. This is a program that's been playing since 1892. This is a program that's had success, not back-to-back national championship success, but they have had success over the years, and yet clearly on the basis of what Bennett has now done, and really it's the performances in the big games that probably cements this forever for him, on the basis of this, I think this is no longer a discussion. Now, there are other discussions to be had about, well, how does he compare to you know, other players at other positions, obviously such as Herschel Walker, and that may be the kind of thing where different people think, think different things. But I think the most clear-cut evaluation of the Bennett legacy right now is of course he's the best quarterback this program has ever had of course he's the most accomplished of course he stands as the most significant figure there so you know in light of everything that's going on here in the aftermath of Georgia winning the second national championship giving the proper consideration to what Bennett has become I do think is a uh, big part of this and I think that Bennett's really good at telling his own story about that because he understands you know exactly what has had to happen for him to get to this point that the kinds of names that he'll be compared to and the fact that he now compares favorably to them is really a remarkable story now one of the things i'm going to tell you and i want to do this now because i want to do this tomorrow 
I think it's also really interesting about how the Bennett story has evolved here. Uh, you know, it's almost like people are making a very big deal about his age suddenly all of a sudden. You know, it's like he went from being, in the eyes of some, not good enough to play to now he's so good that it's unfair because he's 25. Uh, but I think I think a lot of this sort of speaks to a larger narrative that's starting to form around Georgia. I don't think you should miss that. I want to save that when I do that tomorrow. Uh, for now, though, it's just fun to hear a guy like Stetson understand the history of this. He knows the names that he's compared to alongside. And I think he's also, justifiably so, aware of the fact that his accomplishments being such a big part of these back-to-back national champions, that, that, that his achievements within these two seasons – gives him a right to be thought of this way, that when we look back on Georgia football many, many decades from now, the Bennett career will be one of the things that that we that we look on in this. And it's kind of gone from being, it's always sort of been a good story. And now it's more than just a good story. It's actually a phenomenal career, regardless of how it started, regardless of the improbable way that it came together. It's now just a, uh, a really good and special career. And it is worth celebrating, and as we continue to enjoy, this back-to-back dog national champions, the notion of go for two and 22, we will do so with the full awareness of just how much of this Bennett made possible by how well he played when Georgia really needed uh, the biggest performance he could give. So that is Around the Doghouse and is presented today by our friends at ServePro. Happy to have them as part of the program and happy to have them a part of uh, what we've been going through this year. We had a little bit of a studio. It's funny. I walked in today, had not been here in several days, and the area around our studio was decorated so pretty. You had the uh, Georgia balloons and Georgia State. Like the whole place was sort of decorated like a tailgate party. It looked awesome. And it also kind of reminded me that a few months ago, this place was in disrepair, disarray after we had a water leak here. And obviously some of you kind of dealt with the same kind of thing. You've got water damage or fire damage or something that needs to be cleaned up. Well, that's where the restoration specialists from our friends at ServPro come in here because they can get it fixed for you, get it taken care of, and literally leave it like it never even happened. Uh, I love the video we show here because it's like a whole army of folks and equipment, all kinds of great things, do great work. But the ServPro folks are just about that. They're about the cleanup. They're about the restoration. They're about doing for you, which is what you really want if you're in kind of the midst of a messy situation. You want it all put back and all fixed up and almost like it never even happened. Well, that's what our friends at Surpro are all about there. Our franchises are also all independently owned and operated, which means you're doing business with someone who's got a great stake in the outcome just like you do. So if you find yourself in need of something like this, my invitation to you is to check out our friends at Surpro right now. You can find them online at servpro.com. That's S-E-R-V, servpro.com. You can uh, find them online for more of that. Of course, we're happy to have ServPro delivering around the doghouse to us here today. All right, so I did a whole thing a minute ago about, hey, staying in the moment and appreciating what Georgia's got going on right now, basking in the glow of a second straight national championship. And before the show's done, I'm going to be a total hypocrite because I'm also going to talk to you about the fact that in a lot of these way too early top 25s that are coming out already, Georgia is, of course, as you might expect, number one. So we'll have some fun with with that idea, at least a little bit, that Georgia next year expects to be right back where they are this year. So we'll, we'll, we'll do some of that before we're done on the program today. But for now, memories from L.A., what it felt like to see this national championship be brought home and and, and exactly how it all came together. Great guy to talk to all of that about is our buddy Terrence Edwards. So let's do that right now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, great stuff uh, to welcome on Terrence Edwards to the program here today. 
uh, a couple of days after Georgia brings home that second straight uh, national championship. Terrence, uh, I know you uh, love this team, your alma mater. I know you're proud of what they were able to do. When you look back on that national championship game, this national championship season, what will your biggest memories from it all be? Uh, I, I, I always say this, B.A., and I'm going to go back to one play that I think kind of uh, put this season in perspective, and it's a play from a true freshman. It was the Missouri game when their running back broke out and McCaw starts chasing down and tackled him like on a four- or five-yard line, and they kicked the field goal instead of getting seven points. And that play alone kind of emphasized for me what this team was going to be. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. When things was not looking the greatest, uh, they still had the confidence and the swagger that they was going to win. And that one single play, to me, kind of sums up this whole season um, and kind of catapulted us to this national championship. Because if we lose against Missouri, I don't know if we can really get back in, in it. I think we would because we can win the SEC. But that, uh, that one play alone that I think about that that just kind of man that one play capture a 15 and 0 national champ back to back national champ season. I think that's exactly right, and it's one of those things. This is why we love college football, uh, Terrence. Is that so much of this is unpredictable? That that we knew that you know Georgia was in the midst of having a shot at a national championship, and we also knew this season that hey, at some point in time they're going to be tested. And obviously Missouri's not among the better teams that Georgia played, but listen, in college football, strange things happen all the time, and. You know, Georgia got a big test from a team on the road that day. Was it because Georgia wasn't fully focused on the game or whatever else? I guess we'll never really be able to know that for sure. But that is one of the moments, Terrence. You're, you're exactly right about that, where Georgia had to kind of dig deep, find something in itself, make that play late, give itself a chance to, to come, come back and get the win. And when they needed to be good at the end of that game, they found a way to do that and preserving the chance at a 15-0 uh, perfect season it's just really amazing how a game that really no one had circled prior to the game ended up being one of the building blocks that turned into this national championship season. Oh, most definitely. You know, that lets you know the heart of a champion when um, anyone could have gave up, let alone a true freshman, uh, Malachi Starks. He, uh, you know, 18-year-old, the guy was out. He did not give up. You always say, you know, finish the drill, as Coach Rick would say. He chased the guy down. Uh, tackling inside the five, and we held them to a field goal. And those four points, it was a big difference in that game. And those four points, uh, let's just call it what it is, that, that preserved a undefeated season. And, um, you know, I give kudos to Malachi. I give kudos to the coaching staff. I give kudos to the culture that, that Kirby has, has built that you're going to play every play to, to it. You don't have any more plays to play. And that one play just – I really emphasize to me the Georgia season. So uh, one of the other things that played out during the game on Monday night that obviously made me think about you was the fact that Brock Bowers almost got to that 1,000-yard season. And, I mean, look, I think it speaks to how great of a player Brock Bowers is and obviously just the ability of this Georgia offense to cultivate the kind of star power and, and playmaking abilities and maybe ways that previous Georgia offenses might not quite – have been able to do I know you were talking about this a little bit on Twitter you almost got a member of the club with you and maybe next year Brock Bowers comes back and actually does it uh, how much can you say about him as a player and how cool would it be to eventually have a guy like that actually join you in that thousand yard club you know I, I always said I you know I jokingly tell people this all the time that you know I don't want my records to be broken I won't be I, I you know I'm half-hearted joking but I would love for Brock 
man, because he's, he's a fantastic player. And I was, you know, reading the Twitter, my timeline on, on Twitter throughout the game, and it was brought to my attention that he was 70 yards and he was 52 yards. So I was actually really pulling for, for Brock because he's such a fantastic player. Um, and it's a shame that he has to come back to Georgia for another year. And I know people like, we, we need next year, but it's a shame that his talent has to come back to Georgia next year and play one more year because he is uh, that type of kid that he's NFL ready right now. Um, and I'm happy that we, we get him back for another year and he's going to be the type of player that is going to be able to push uh, for that 1,000 yards and, and rightfully so because he's a fantastic player. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things here on that. You mentioned that in a lot of ways he's maybe already, in, I should say, NFL ready right now. And I guess maybe this is one of those good things about NIL is the fact that Bowers is already, I think, pretty well paid from an NIL standpoint. I would say the next year has, this, has an opportunity to cash in even more. And so for a guy that obviously one day will make millions of dollars we expect in the NFL – to have a chance to kind of cash in in a big way for one more year here at Georgia before that college career is done, you know, that at least sort of speaks to the opportunity that does exist right now for a guy who we – maybe he is ready for the NFL here at this moment. Uh, but going ahead and getting paid at Georgia right now like he's in the NFL, um, you know, maybe that's one of the good ways in which NIL can be leveraged here right now. Yes, and I think this is, in my opinion, what the NIL was – was uh, brought into play for these type of opportunities. Brock Bowers uh, cannot leave and go to the NFL and pursue a dream. And this is what the uh, name like the image was created for, not for to re- the recruiting part of it, but for guys like Brock who uh, deserve the opportunity to go out and make money off his name like the image. This is what it was re- created for, and this is what I support. Uh, I don't support the way it's been used with just trying to buy uh, all the best players. I fully support guys like Brock and Javon Butler, all the guys who earned the right uh, to take full advantage of their name, likeness, image. And I guess let me ask you one more thing on this topic before we uh, shift gears here to something else. Like, What do you make of the way in which the, the tight end position has kind of been redefined at Georgia? Because, I mean, a guy like Bowers, I mean, listen, Terrence, I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a single pass catcher in college football in either of the last two years that I would have taken over Bowers. That I think people kind of misunderstand the fact that I truly believe that Bowers in that same class with the Marvin Harrison Jr., the guys that Alabama would have had last year, and it sort of seems like, well, tight end really shouldn't be that way. But when you see the way in which that he produces, when you see the way in which you know that, that he's able to, to, to cultivate productivity, that – I mean, to me, I think the, the numbers sort of speak for themselves. Is this about Brock Bowers just being sort of a special player? Is this about the fact that the Georgia offense just is able to, to, to magnify skill sets in a way that maybe other offenses just can't? Like, how do you explain the fact that Georgia's able to get so much out of a guy like that? Because I, I think that's one of the real stories of this season is the fact that Todd Munkin, man, just pushes all the right buttons when it comes to using these tight ends. Right. Uh, I think, you know, Brock is a special player. There's not a lot of tight ends that – that possess the same skill set that he has. He, he's a capable inline blocker, but his skill set has been able to catch the football at a high rate. I, and maybe in two years, I've maybe seen one drop from Brock. Uh, he catches the ball at a consistent rate. Uh, he runs well. He does not run like a 230, 40-pound tight end. Um, he runs like a wide receiver, so he possesses skill sets that uh, advantageous for defenses because you put a linebacker on, he's just too fast for them. You put a safety on, he's just too big for 
for that. So it it is Brock, and I think uh, and I tweeted this, and I want to give Big O a shout out to as well uh, because yeah. in his own way, he's just as important as as Brock. Brock may be the headliner, but when Big O went out in in the Ohio State game, I know all the Ohio State fans and everyone wants to point out that Marvin Harrison went out the game, but for us. That yeah. make our offense go off yeah. run running and passing. Brock was it's uh, I'm sorry, Big O is just important as Marvin Harrison Jr. And when he went out, our offense kind of changed a little bit. Oscar is going to get to the point where he's going to be the next man up, and Oscar is fantastic. But Oscar not yet can do the things in the run game and the blocking game that Big O does. So I, would, I, I we want to give Brock all the praise and the adulation, and he deserves it. But for me. Big O needs just as much as he does. No, I think that's a really good point about uh, 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 Darnell Washington from the standpoint that if you really think about the team concept, you know, so much of what Georgia, you know, has used to win the national championship is the idea that the team is bigger than any individual player. I don't know that anybody embodies that better than Washington does. It's one of the reasons why Kirby Smart compliments him and praises him all the time because I really do think that Washington stands as more than just being a good player. I think he represents what, what they want Georgia football to be about because this is a guy that's a former five-star and obviously had aspirations for you know being a, a great skill player and catching the ball a lot. And then this year I think he did become pretty valuable with the ball in his hands and, ca- and caught some big balls here for Georgia. But beyond that, it was probably the best blocker on the team and an absolute weapon in terms of creating everything this Georgia offense was able to do. And he did it really kind of in a selfless way. And Kirby even said for the national championship game that they probably leaned on his blocking more so than his uh, catch. He did have one really nice catch, but he was kind of used more as a blocker in a game like this. And yet Washington the entire weekend has this huge smile on his face. He's obviously trying to, you know, to give it a go and, and play the best that he can being, you know, being injured the way that he was. But you know, Terrence, I just think that Washington just probably embodies the team concept here, maybe better than anybody else in this team, and certainly Kirby Smart will acknowledge that at every at every point. Yes, most definitely. I mean, he definitely embodies the culture of Georgia, uh, and it, this just goes to show that you know he was not the most targeted tight end, but his game is going to translate uh, into the NFL because he's able to catch passes and he's also a capable blocker. Uh, you know, a lot of teams that run 12 personnel when you don't want to sub an offensive lineman in. Big O is an offensive lineman that is a tight end. So uh, the only, you know, the only thing that I had about Big O is coming to this season was the ability to stay healthy, and he did that. He showed he could play every game. Unfortunately, he got hurt in that Ohio State game, and he's able to come back and play well. I mean, if you saw the one play when, when – uh, Brock caught a screen, I think it was, a flat pattern, and and Big O was blocking and defending. It was like it was playing patty cake because Brock, Big O was going forward, and defensive back was trying to get off, and he just couldn't. So I just think Big O has, has really earned right to be talked about. I really think he's earned the right, so I'm pretty sure he's going to forego and enter the NFL draft. I think he's he's played his way into a early round draft pick, and he deserves every everything that's coming to him. Let me finish with this. You know, we've talked so much about Georgia winning the game. How about the fact they won it sixty-five to seven? You know, that you're you're missed PAT and like one busted play defensively away from winning the game, sixty-six to nothing. I mean, Terrence, have you ever seen domination in a football game like that of any level? Forget the fact that it's a national championship. That'd be an amazing blowout for a homecoming game. I mean, how about the fact that Georgia beat a thirteen and one team sixty five to seven? That's 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 insane to me. 
Right, and the only other game that I could think about it was, uh, you know, high school this year, Mill Creek put up 70 points on Carrollton in the in state championship yeah. game. And uh, we, we, we all know what we think of Julian Lewis and, sure. and Joey King, it, what type of uh, program Carrollton has. So, but other than that, I can you know, I would never imagine teams putting up that type of points. And you just think about it. If we do not blow that coverage uh, with, with Keeley and, and Jovan, they might not score a point in yeah. that game. So just think about that. You know, the defense played well. I just think about, uh, you know, Javon. I'm kind of biased with him because he's from my area. He's from Millersville. I'm from Washington County. And our two towns are separated by 20 minutes. So I've heard about the young man for a long time. And we just got to get away from the recruiting rankings. And every, I know that's a big thing, but some of the better players in Georgia's history are some of the low-level three-stars, two-star players. And that kid is an absolute baller. So when when Kirby and Company do sign a player late or sign a player that nobody wants, we got to trust them. Lad McConkey, we got to trust it. Uh, Javon, Jordan Davis, I could go on and on. Thomas Davis, like we got to be able to trust the evaluations of these coaches because now everyone loves the kid. And you know when it comes to uh, having the recruitment services tell you the kid is a three star. Go look at their film. That's what I do. I go look at the kid's film and look at his traits. And Javon about it is a baller. And think about it. He's the defensive MVP yeah. for two straight games. For two straight games. Well, since you bring him up, I'll, I'll respond to that there as well, Terrence. I think it's been fun to watch the way in which his career's evolved. And I've said this now a few times. Like, at one point in time, you would have noticed him on the field. And you'd be like, wow, this guy's kind of an unsung hero. This is a, this is a guy that's, that's providing Georgia more than we realize. And all of a sudden, now at the end of the year – you're saying this is one of the best players in college football, and he comes back next season as one of the faces of this Georgia program, and I think he should be one of the most recognized players in the game because, as you mentioned, the fact that he's had so many big performances on these kind of you know MVP stage type situations. Uh, you know, Javon Buller is now, I mean, he's now on the top shelf of, of of players in this Georgia program. That's an amazing evolution. Oh, most definitely. I mean, you just think about a lot of players on the defense. I think he's gonna. He's going to take the mantle from Chris Smith as the especially the secondary leader. Yeah, uh, we all know Chris Smith was the the secondary leader. I think now he's probably going to take that leadership role because of his play. His play dictates uh, that he, you know, just maturated to that person. Now, uh, I love his game. You know, I'm a little biased to the kids that come from the middle of Georgia area with Kiers. I think Kiers a tech. I don't think he minds. He's sharing this. I sent Kiers a text the other day. I actually FaceTimed. He didn't answer my phone call. And I told him, I said, I'm mad at you because you didn't answer. <laughs> because I just want to tell you in person that I just respect you so much of a kid that didn't complain. Yeah. I mean, he had a big year, the COVID year, came back and got hurt, didn't play as much as he probably wanted to, and just go out and make big catches. And I just want to tell him just to his yeah. face, man, I just, I just respect you so much. Because you could have dipped and, and went to other places, but you made a legacy at Georgia that even me, as somebody who's considered the greatest receiver in Georgia's history, you got something that I wish I had. And that's one national champion. You yeah. got two. So I, I, I called and tell him that, and we did we did talk through, uh, through text. And uh, just guys like that, that that just embody the culture that Kirby has set uh, that I just love to watch. 
No, I think that's really well said, Terrence. I absolutely do. Uh, and by the way, I know, speaking of uh, working hard, here in this month of January, the bubble work is getting back going. Uh, receivers at that next le- who at the high school level who want to take that step towards the next level, this is the time where a lot of that happens. So remind folks how they can get in touch with Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy and learn some of those skills that obviously made you the only 1,000-yard receiver to this point in time in Georgia football history. How can they get in touch with you? Well, first last night was the first night we kicked it off. We nice. were supposed to start Monday, but I had to cancel. There's no way that I was going to miss uh, the national championship sure. game, so we canceled it Monday. So uh, we, 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 we got started, Ron Billing now. So if you want to, your son to, even with the quarterbacks or receivers or nice. tight ends or running backs who just want to become better pass catchers, you can reach out to me on all social media platforms at Terrence Elwood Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for being here. We'll look forward to talking to you soon as Georgia wins two national championships. It's a, it's an amazing thing, and we'll have plenty more time to talk about all the great moments from this. So thanks for being a part of the program today. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Love talking to Terrence Edwards in a day like this. So much fun to hear his perspective on everything with these Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, awesome, awesome thing. We're going to get ready to transition now to cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, as we do. I have a very important announcement to give to you. I have been told that I'm only going to be able to promote the Dog Nation cruise, I think, for a few more days. Because as it stands right now, we are getting very, very close. I told you we released a few more rooms, and those have now been scarfed up. We're going to try to get access to a few more but we are down to the absolute like last staterooms that we can book to be a part of the Dog Nation cruise. The cruise ship itself is going to be full, first of all. And then second of all, the special like Dog Nation events, there's only so much space that we can kind of have for that. So we are getting down to the absolute last. And we got like 50 phone calls within the last whatever. And so like those people are kind of in the midst of kind of getting their stuff booked. So literally it is a race to get these final staterooms booked here. So here's what I'm telling you. If you're hearing my voice right now, you probably still have time to get in, but it is time to get it booked. It's time to get it locked in because when the next, however long, uh, maybe it lasts for a couple more days, but for the next, you know, it's about to be completely sold out. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the website, royaldogs.com. This is the website to understand there for this because there's maybe been some confusion on that, but royaldogs.com is the website. It's one created by Jessica Slater, great travel agent who's been helping us out the entire time. She's been answering the phones left and right, people just flooding in here because they want to be a part of this championship celebration we're going to have uh, in April on this. So you can call Jessica directly, 770-718-9147, 770-718-9147. But my point here is, is if you've been on the fence about going, I don't want you to miss it. So get on right now, get it booked, get it finalized, because within the next couple of days, may not be tomorrow, may not be Monday, but within the next couple of days, they're going to come to me and say, B.A., you can't promote this anymore because it is now full. So I don't want you to have that FOMO, that fear of missing out, or, or the, the fear that you did miss out. I don't, want you, I don't want you to miss out. In other words, I want you to be with us. So we're leaving Port Canaveral, April 24th. We're going to Nassau on the Bahamas, Perfect Day, Coco Cay. I mean, first of all, Perfect Day, Coco Cay in its own right is an amazing getaway. But in addition to all the fun stuff that you do on board any Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, we have some special Dog Nation-themed events as well. And it's going to be bigger than ever before. So I want you to be on board. 
Um, if you've got a question about it, reach out to me directly. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, well, I'll, I'll kind of try to help you out with that. But really, Jessica's the one to talk to because she's the one that knows everything. So call her. Get going. Let's get it done. Let's have a great time. We had a national championship celebration unlike anything ever before last year's cruise. And this year's cruise is going to be even bigger. We want you on board. Uh, and your time to get booked up and be a part of it is about to run out. So make sure you do that right now. We'll see you there for that. The second ever cruise with Dog Nation coming up in April on board Independence of the Seas. I literally cannot wait for it. All right, I want to get ready to go uh, uh, cruise around the SEC here for a moment, kind of talking to you about some of the uh, really cool stuff that's uh, ongoing here right now. I want to start with this. And obviously, Georgia's got so many fun things going on right now, celebrating back two back dog national champions go for two and 22 the michigan complete georgia got two and 22 but just in the midst of all of that that does not mean we still don't have a little bit of time to make fun of those lousy stinking gators and so that's exactly what we're going to do right now prized signee from the class of 2023 for florida jane rashada has not yet arrived with the gators he's not yet enrolled at school and he has until friday to do this now all of this is kind of a fast-moving situation, so by the time you hear this, maybe some of the facts have changed a little bit. But as of press time, as they say in the industry, as of press time, Rashada had not yet enrolled at Florida, and if he wants to be a part of Florida spring practice, he's got to do that prior to Friday. Now, let me see if I can kind of walk through all of kind of what's been supposed to go on here. There had been some reporting. I think On3 had this. That's a, a recruiting website. On three had reported that Rashada had asked to be released from his letter of intent. Well, Rashada's father has since told 24-7 Sports, well, no, we have not asked to be released from the letter of intent. So there's a little bit of a dispute there about whether or not Rashada wants out of his uh, LOI or not. What is not seemingly in dispute, though, is the fact that all of this is related to the NIL, the uh, money that Rashada was supposed to get uh, to come to Florida, uh, uh, Edgar Thompson, Orlando Sentinel, has reported it's like an astronomical figure. I, I, I forget exactly what he was saying it was, but somewhere in the neighborhood of like $13 million, something like that, supposedly Florida has promised a Rashada. And thus far, those promises apparently have not been kept. And so that's what led Rashada to the frustration of, you know, maybe not wanting to go there, that no one, even though there's some dispute about whether or not he's asked out of the letter of intent and, and kind of how that's playing out, what no one disputes is, is that Rashada's, uh, um, uh, you know, lack of arrival at Florida as of yet is NIA related. Pretty clearly, he's not getting the money so far that he was promised to get, which is hilarious. Obviously, it sort of speaks to Florida's desperation that they're paying this much money for a quarterback recruit. They have no idea if he's going to be any good or not. I mean, obviously, he was a prized signee, and you had to battle Miami to get him. But this just sort of reeks of desperation, throwing this amount of money around to get a guy like this. I mean, you're getting close to NFL first-round draft pick type money in a situation like that, and that's for a far more proven commodity than what this is. So it, it kind of reeks of desperation for Florida, which is obviously kind of hilarious. And uh, Billy Napier literally having nothing to show for his first year on the job at Florida is also kind of funny as well. We can all laugh about that. But in the midst of laughing about all this, I do think there's another kind of important message to consider here too. And you, you hear us say this all the time, is that, in the universe of stories but NIL, and I want you to pay attention to this for yourself because this is really important for how the future is going to play out, and this relates to Georgia too. In the universe of NIL stories, like 99.9999% of these stories are about the demand for NIL. Players who want the money, programs who want to use money to secure these players. It's about NIL demand. 
But for every hundred stories you see or read or hear about NIL demand, you see like one story about NIL supply. And obviously in the economy of the NIL, like anything else, you're going to have supply and demand. And right now there is no shortage of demand, but the supply is just limited. Let me give an example of what NIL supply would be. This is a guy like, say, John Ruiz at Miami. This is a guy who openly brags about spending the money to bring in the players and things like that. But that's NIL supply. That's the, that, that's the supply of money that brings in the players. And even he said he can't do this forever. Uh, but that's an example of NIL supply. But what you have here at Florida is you clearly have uh, you know, a demand to use money to pay players, and you clearly have a demand on the part of the player to get that money. If you, and if he can get that money, he's coming to Florida. But it sounds like you just can't create the supply. And, y'all, there is way more of this going on than people realize. It is just not that easy to raise this money. So programs can go out there and promise this. They can promise that. They can, you know, they, they can agree to these astronomical, exorbitant NIL deals. But then if you have to turn around and go out and raise the money, it is just not a given you're going to be able to do that. And we see countless examples of this. The other day, uh, the Colorado, this is a different situation because this is a coaching thing. But like the Colorado AD talking about the money they paid Deion Sanders to come to uh, Boulder. And he admitted, we haven't raised this money yet, but we're going to. Like, like there's more of this going on in college athletics than you realize of, hey, we have to make a big promise financially to get something, whether it be a high-profile coach like Deion or a high-profile player like, a, like a, a quarterback recruit here. We have to make a big promise financially to do that. And then once we, once we agree upon the figure, then we'll go out and raise the money. But it's just not – if you get to one of these huge financial sums, it's just not that easy to raise that money. And, I mean, people don't realize when you hear, like, you know, so-and-so's NIL collective's worth $11 million or $14 million or however much it's worth, you know, how, how much you know, money they have, like a huge portion of that is pledged money. It's not actual cash in hand. It's pledged money. And – for anybody who's ever contributed like your building campaign at your church, I think you understand there's a big difference between what you, the money you pledge and the money you actually give. And often cases, uh, that's true. In the case of all of this, that's true there as well. So my point here is, is yeah, we're going to laugh at Florida if they do lose out on Rashada or the fact that they're having a hard time even securing Rashada is really pretty funny. But the Florida story here is actually going to be a little bit more of, I think, a common occurrence, or at least it's going to be a harbinger for things that other programs are going to deal with because some of these big NIL promises that they've made, now they've got to keep those promises, and it's just not easy to raise that money. Uh, there are just not as many sources of NIL cash as there are demand for the, the, the theoretical cash. And that's a deal. That's a story. That's worth paying attention to. It's Florida right now, but it may be somebody else here very, very soon. It likely will be. All right, so for as long as I've been around, I have always loved way too early top 25s. Every outlet puts them out. Uh, it's fun to kind of race the clock and get it out either just before the national championship game or just after the national championship game. The thought here is the teams that weren't very good this year like the idea of maybe being very good next year, and so it's sort of that hope st uh, springs eternal thing. But around here, we've also always loved the offseason. We love projecting the future year, and it's way more fun to do that now than it's ever been before because of how high Georgia is projected on the heels of winning back two back dog national champions uh go for two and 22 turning into at some point go for three and 23 yeah we we uh, we we get all of that but it's still just sort of fun to think about what the next year is going to be and past the time it always feels like it takes so long to get into the season but kind of past the time having those discussions about who's going to be good and who's going to be what and 
you know, it, it, it's just um, it, it's just kind of a fun thing to do. So with that in mind, I'm going to read to you a little bit here from the ESPN Way Too Early Top 25. They always do a fun one. Mark Schlebaugh is the guy that typically does that. It's fun to see Georgia, boom, at number one here on this. I guess I'll give you one thought on this, and we'll, pl- we'll, we'll do plenty more on this in the future. The one thing I want you to all be really careful about, though, is, is that while Georgia is rightly so preseason number one for next season, just be careful assuming it's going to be easy for Georgia, even though on paper it all seems like it should be. The schedule's easy. We'll have more on that in a moment. Uh, Georgia's track record for success makes predicting future success seemingly easy there as well. But who was preseason number one a year ago? It was Alabama. That seemed easy, too, in the eyes of a lot of people. And somehow, some way, college football has a way of making what seems like it should be easy actually look a little bit more difficult than it, than it is. That is not the same thing as saying that Georgia's somehow not going to win the national championship. I'm not, I'm not ready yet to make a prediction about that one way or another. But what I will tell you is a lifetime of following the sport has led me to understand that college football is very easy to project, but actually pretty difficult to predict, meaning it's, it's very easy on paper to say who should be number one, but what actually is going to happen is never quite so easy to predict as the projection sometimes might suggest. So there will be some mystery moments for Georgia over the course of the next 12 months getting back to where they were uh, this year in the college football playoff. There will be some unexpected adversity, the same way the Missouri game was a, a few months ago. Uh, some other moment will be in the next calendar year that leads to that. Now, it may all result in Georgia winning the national championship once again, may very well may uh, might. But just be careful assuming it's going to be any easier for Georgia as the preseason number one than it has been for a lot of these other preseason number ones uh, at this point in the year and, and previous years there as well. So Georgia is number one. Ohio State's at number two. Ohio State obviously has the big changeover when it comes to C.J. Stroud, but honestly I'm not that surprised to see the Buckeyes at number two on the list. Michigan here is at number three, and I think being a Michigan fan right now is a very weird thing. You've been in the playoff two years in a row. That's obviously a very good thing, but almost everything else as it relates to the program feels maybe quite not so good, even though you've beaten your hated rival Mich- uh, Ohio State now two years in a row. Jim Harbaugh is openly flirting with going to the NFL. Seems like he'd like to do that if he gets the right kind of offer uh, that he wants to come his way. You were embarrassed by George in the 2021 college ball playoff. You lost to a team in this year's playoff that went on to lose the national championship game 65-7. to So Michigan's preseason number three. But honestly, do they feel close to a national championship? I mean, it's weird. It's like you can't be much closer by perception to what Michigan is right now. And yet, in actuality, doesn't it feel like they're a long way away from actually winning a national championship? That may be ultimately why a guy like Harbaugh is looking to move on. I think it's really weird how the last few weeks have played out. In other words, prior to the playoff, I think Michigan had mega bragging rights against Ohio State. But given the way the playoff played out, the fact that Ohio State played Georgia really tough and close, the fact that Michigan lost to a team that went on to humiliate itself in the national championship, I'm not really quite so sure how much of a platform Michigan fans have to talk down to Ohio State, how much how much uh, gravitas their trash talk kind of has right now. Yeah, they won head-to-head, but it's not like the program feels like it's on better footing right now than Ohio State is. So college football has a way of changing pretty quickly. One of the teams going to be one of the most buzzed about during the offseason is going to be Florida State. Obviously, uh, they spent most of the year as a really pretty good team, uh, got the win against LSU to begin the year. And they're going to be preseason number four, according to Schleybaugh here. Uh, one of the main things they bring back, of course, is uh, their quarterback. So, um, you know, th- you know that that's you know Jordan Travis coming back is a big, big deal for them. 
So that's a team that's probably going to get more preseason buzz than any non-Clemson ACC team has got in quite some time. Then you got Alabama at number five. We'll go through the rest of these maybe tomorrow. Here's what I'm going to tell you about Alabama. They're not relevant to me at all right now. And I'm not saying they're not going to be good this upcoming season. They, they very well might. Alabama typically is pretty good. But this notion that somehow the aftermath of this year's national championship should be seen through the lens of Alabama, I'm sorry, that's just ludicrous. The notion of, uh, oh, David Pollock made Nick Saban mad on TV. Now you done gone and done it. Nick Saban's going to want his revenge. He wanted his revenge last year, and he was nowhere to be found in the college ball playoff. Like this notion that everybody tiptoes around Alabama, it's just not true anymore. Preseason number five, maybe they'll finish better than that. Maybe they'll finish worse than that. They lost two regular season games this year. Maybe they'll lose more than that next year. It's certainly a possibility. Um, But as it stands right now, Alabama is just not a relevant part of the discussion. Frankly, they're not much more relevant in the current college ball conversation than a team like Clemson is because Clemson also has made a million college ball playoffs, but they didn't make this year's playoff. That's sort of the way in which Alabama is right now, a team that's been in the college ball playoff a lot, but they weren't there this year. Maybe they'll get back next year. But honestly, I'm not going to spend the entire offseason thinking about what Alabama's doing. Now, I'll make fun of them from time to time because uh, I think they have, you know, uh, a lot of desperate fans trying to cling on to, you know, what used to make them famous. I think they're trying to hold on to that with every fiber that they have. But in terms of, you know, somehow Georgia's second straight national championship being some sort of referendum on Alabama one way or another, and Alabama should have been in the game or whatever else, if you think you should have been in the game, my advice to you would have been don't lose twice. I mean, that would be the simplest path to get a chance to prove what you're all about in the college football playoff. Don't lose twice. Uh, but Alabama obviously did do that. So they're number five here in this way too early top 25. Uh, and that seems that seems about right. And frankly, they could be better than that. They could be worse than that. Uh, but we're not going to spend all, all offseason worrying about Alabama because uh, as it stands right now, they are just not all that relevant. It will make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Uh, we've had a great run here on Go for Two in 22. We've had a great collection of sponsors who've helped make all that possible. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to one of those right now, our friends at Marlowe's Tavern, because obviously I remember when we started the month of December rolling into the SEC championship and then going into all the things that came after that to get all of Dog Nation that one room that day and just sort of celebrate what was going to be with the dream of actually go for two in 22 and winning that second straight national championship well as it turns out it has worked out exactly that way so big thanks to marlo's tavern for making that possible you can find marlo's tavern uh, online at marlo's tavern.com and when you go there i want you to sign up for being a part of the insiders club and when you become a marlo's tavern insider you're going to get some great features and benefits for signing up you get cool stuff on your birthday but you also get a sort of a special thank you just for signing up uh, you're going to get ten dollars off a thirty dollar uh, uh, order just for becoming a member of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. And after that, you're going to earn what's called qualified visits, which means when you spend $15 inside a uh, Marlowe's Tavern, you'll get that qualified visit. And when you have four qualified visits, you're going to get a complimentary entree uh, up to $20 off your uh, next visit there as well. So it's just a, one of the ways in which Marlowe's Tavern wants to reward you for uh, being a part of what they're doing with the chef-inspired food and the craft cocktails and all the great stuff that Marlowe's Tavern is famous for. So find them online, marlowestavern.com, and you can become a member of the Marlowe's Tavern uh, Insiders Club. I'll also give a shout-out to our friends at 7-6 Apparel there as well. They're the ones that made the uh, Go for 2 and 22 t-shirts, and they've got so many great things uh, they've got going on there as well in terms of the national championship celebration, stuff like that. You can go to the76.com to find out more about that. The76.com, you can see the cool special stuff they've made from the national championship. And um, obviously, when you go and, and see our go for two shirts and things like that, that came from our friends at 76 Apparel there as well. So 
If you can check them out, it's actually spelled out seven, the word seven, six, the word six, the seven, com. You can see some great, great uh, apparel celebrating a big moment for the dogs uh, online at the seven, com. So make sure you check that out. All right, we'll wrap up today being back in the studio again with a fun golden shoe. Our buddy Jermaine King sent this to us, and Jermaine's always very, very talented. He always has very elaborate designs with a lot of the stuff that he sends. So he writes in to say, uh, Dog Nation Daily, you've done such a great job this season that I wanted to give you a glimpse of your future. He says, go dogs, uh, hashtag golden shoe, hashtag go for three and 23. He says the future is bright. And then he has this illustration down here where it's me live in Los Angeles, but the thought bubble says the dogs return to L.A. to attempt to win their ninth straight national championships. It's go for nine and 29. And over there on the Dog Nation Daily side of things there as well, instead of holding up the two fingers, he's got me holding up the nine fingers. Maybe one of those days that'll be the uh, case. I like that. I also like the uh, the beard there. <laughs> Am I going to uh, grow that long and gray of a beard over the course of the next six years? That's pretty funny stuff. But uh, wrapping things up there from L.A. Indeed, Jermaine will give you a golden shoe for that. That's uh, really fun. By the way, I, I guess there's a little bit of controversy. I don't follow this all that well, but the hashtag go dogs is supposed to have the G on it, but it does it now. I think there's some upset Georgia fans about that because they won the national championship again. They're supposed to keep the G for the hashtag go dogs, but apparently Twitter dropping the bucket, uh, dropping the ball on that. So we'll see if we can figure out what, the, what that's all about. But uh, Jermaine, thank you so much for your uh, golden shoe submission. Well earned for you indeed. Another well earned whipping coming the way of the Florida Gators 289 days from right now. We don't know if Jaden Rashad is going to be a part of that Florida program then or not, but we do know this, all the NIL in the world won't save Florida from what's coming their way. 289 days from right now we'll make that our gator hater countdown and we'll see all of you back here again tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp we'll look forward to talking to you then everybody and of the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast Cooldown. rs andrews the uh, one you turn to for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs so heather capolo sent this to me uh, apparently danny cannell has stood on our corner here a little bit uh you may remember last year when kirby had his incredibly profane halftime speech the florida game we kind of took a little bit of a family family uh, family friendly spin on that uh, with me kind of uh overdubbing some of the kirby swear words with a little bit more of a family friendly uh bent on that well heather says that danny cannell's done the same thing she actually shares this we may play this on the show tomorrow and kind of see who who did it better uh because i guess uh cannell did kind of put some of that out there uh that's actually really funny so we'll play some of that on the show tomorrow i had not seen that uh, that's actually a, a really pretty good stuff. Uh, also, uh, dog fans continue to check in. Brian Whitehead sends in a photo of the national championship scarf. He says, I'm sorry that you didn't get yours, but I did get mine. I was trying to go by and buy some stuff yesterday before I left Los Angeles. And um, I, I'm telling you, L.A. was a very strange place to have this game because it's not like they had just like national championship gear all over the city. But I am glad that um i'm glad that you got yours brian connor graham also says when's your profile gonna have go for three and 23 in it yeah we'll we'll get there eventually uh you better believe we got big plans to see georgia hopefully go for national championship number three here in the year of 2023 that's gonna be really fun all right sorry for the short cool down today but uh we gotta bounce out of here and plus i'm tired so we'll see if we can come back and give you a longer one tomorrow thanks for being here though uh thanks for allowing us to be a part of a really fun run here Go for two and 22. The mission is complete. Georgia got its two. And with maybe more on the way, you never know how it's going to play out. But uh, it's going to be a great time. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We will look forward to talking to you then.